So, hi, Andrew. Uh, welcome to the Hacker Noon podcast. This is the decentralized edition. And uh, for our viewers who might not know, like, who Andrew Levine is, so apart from sharing his like name with the guy who like founded Maroon Five, uh, Andrew has been instrumental in helping the Steam blockchain achieve the status that it has, or rather had. And he is currently working on his own project, which is the Coinos blockchain. He is the CEO at Open Orchard. And these guys have their own thing going after they forked away from Steemit, which is like known as the Hive blockchain. So as you could see, there is a lot of confusion as to like what the numbers mean, what the words mean, what the news media says, because everybody has PR teams like going up against each other. So we have Andrew to clear the air for us in terms of like what he has been doing and what he plans to do in the future. Hi, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Over to you now. Yeah. So as far as, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as clearing up the confusion. Um, yeah. I used to work for Steemit Incorporated, which is the company that released the Steam blockchain and Steemit.com. And um, one of the things that drew me to Steemit Incorporated, well, I actually started as a content creator uh, on Steemit. I had been an entrepreneur previously. I'd started a company called GiverHub, which was a, a social network for nonprofits. And uh, it failed. So I was like, all right, time to look into other things. And I started looking into blockchain. And uh, I was an early adopter of, of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then Steam came out and was really interesting to me it appealed to the creative side that blockchain really hadn't um appealed to yet it was primarily for really hardcore developers mm -hmm. um before steam came onto the scene and part of what attracted me to working at steamit and the steam blockchain was this idea that there was a corporation that was formed at the same time that would be tasked with maintaining the blockchain. And I actually thought that that was a really interesting innovation um, that could be really valuable because while Bitcoin and Ethereum were awesome, they were very anarchic. They didn't have a for-profit entity that was, you know, who, who's, who, that was incentivized to maintain and improve the protocol. And if you, view these, if you don't view these protocols as competitors, which I don't, it's all open source. Yeah. You know, it's coopetition at best. Um, then you want a variety of approaches. And so with Bitcoin, we have very thorough decentralization. That's great. With Ethereum, we got a smart contracting platform, uh, a, a more computational platform, and the Ethereum Foundation. And then with Steam, we got a content-focused uh, blockchain and a for-profit corporation. I thought, oh, this is, this is great. And um, being attracted to the platform and the uh, website that they released, steamit.com, going to work for the company was like a dream come true because there just weren't that many companies even operating in the blockchains. 
space. And as somebody who loved it and had been looking for an opportunity to get involved for a long time, it was great. And this all ties back into current events in that what originally, I think a lot of people found appealing about it wound up being uh, the, the fatal flaw, which is, um, you know, we were attracted to this company that uh, had a large treasure chest of tokens, which it could use to maintain and improve the technology. Um, and for years, for up until me and my teammates resigned, that's what we believed we were doing is that we were leveraging the additional stake that Steemit Inc. got and you know we were we were taking salaries because we're valuable we we have value in the marketplace. Nice. So Steemit was paying right, you know, so Steemit was paying us and and we viewed it as our responsibility and and we worked very hard. We were all over overworked and underpaid. Um, but we felt we were delivering on that objective of taking this treasure chest and using it to improve the Steam ecosystem and the open source ecosystem generally. We released a ton of great open source software, stuff like Mira, stuff like Hivemind that we think is going to provide a lot of value to many projects. But ultimately what wound up happening was Justin Sun, the Tron Foundation, wound up acquiring that company while we were still working there. And again, at first we thought there was huge opportunity there. It made perfect sense. You know, there, there seemed to be mutually beneficial scenarios where it could benefit Tron, it could benefit Justin Sun to elevate Steam and make Steam better than ever. Um, but the decisions he made, they were very unpredictable, volatile, and they seemed harmful not only to the Steam stakeholders, but to his stakeholders and to him. And, you know, we, we tried very hard to move the conversation in a positive direction and to reach mutually beneficial outcomes. Um, but at a certain point, you know, he was just so unpredictable and it felt like it felt like we were just incapable of making any progress and so me and my teammates were forced to resign um, around the same time community members were getting a hard fork of steam ready that's the hive blockchain that you referred to um, we think that's great uh, we are developing a product called open seed that is basically a social database mm -hmm. that taps that can tap into many different types of of lower level databases like IPFS. Originally, Steam was going to be one of the um, decentralized databases that OpenSeed um, interfaced with. We've decided to make the ch the change to interface with the Hive blockchain um, and really. As of now, we're really not interested in the Steam blockchain, uh, the Hive blockchain, most of the community, most of the high quality developers, most of the users have moved to Hive. And so in our eyes, Hive is the real Steam. Mm -hmm. um, now, we're not, we are not actively involved in the development of that blockchain. Um, we are developing our own blockchain called Coinos. 
mm -hmm. uh, which is aimed at solving different problems. And it's going to be a very different product, and it's, it's probably going to be a while down the road. Mm -hmm. Did I answer your question? <laughs> you did. Like, it was pretty beautiful. Like, you did not take any, like, hot shots at anybody, like, which is nice. Like, we need to keep it professional. So, yeah, that's good. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Definitely. And like, yeah, I tr I'm like, trying. It, might, it was hard at times. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get it. Like, whenever money meets talent, like everybody thinks that everybody like thinks that it is a match made in heaven. It hardly turns out like that. So I totally like see your point in terms of like why you guys had to part face and whatnot. A question that I like ask all of my guests is like, how do I explain? blockchain to someone who doesn't get it. For example, a majority of Hackanoon readers are developers, programmers. For them, blockchain could possibly something just like a public Google a spreadsheet with a lot of formulas like built into it. That is like what they understand a smart contract to be. And the blockchain itself is just that like repository which everybody can see, everybody can edit. And then there are formulas in place to like catch who goes wrong and like who does not do well for some things like there could be like, let's say, delegated people who could take care of certain things, which explains the deeper side of things. And then there could be some proof of work concepts built in. But like, how do you tell someone like that who has been developing for years, knows JavaScript and Python and like whatnot, and still believe that like blockchain possibly is not as huge as they think it is? I spent many years trying to explain to people why what blockchains are and why they're so disruptive and, poten and, and potentially valuable and why they should care about them. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly developed um, a story that communicates it efficiently, mm -hmm. relatively, but think we should be trying to explain it to ordinary people and I don't know if, if we should even be trying to explain it to developers mm -hmm. um, let me put it another way mm -hmm. the conclusion that we've come to and which motivates a lot of our thinking at open orchard mm -hmm. is that developers don't care Are you there? So, hey, so we had a bit of a technical difficulty and we are back and I'll leave it to Andrew to start the question, uh, start over.
Yeah, so I think as far as normal people go, when I'm talking about blockchain or decentralized databases, I like to leave it at just, because they really don't want to know the technical details. I've been explaining it to people for years, and, and they, they're not as interested in it as a lot of us are. Um, and that's okay. We need, to, we need to be more understanding of people's varying interests, especially if we want to onboard them. Um, as far as normal people go, I talk about blockchains as just um, a way of storing information that on a database that belongs to the public. Mm -hmm. I've, I, you know, this is, we, we've lost the thread that this is all about open source software. And what makes open source software special and unique is that it belongs to the public. Uh, it's, it's been opened up. And um, blockchains are a trustless open database so that, you know, it's a way of storing information that isn't on Facebook servers, isn't on Apple servers. And, and, and I think that's, that's where you should leave it. And I think the interesting wrinkle is that in my experience, even developers don't care about blockchains. And, and that actually is a big part of what we're doing at Open Orchard is that our belief is that developers want features. They don't want blockchains. What is going, what makes blockchains potentially valuable is that they offer valuable features to developers. And so that's why we're taking a, a pretty unique approach in the space, which is that we are developing a blockchain as we develop a second layer solution in tandem. And so the second layer solution is an easy to use toolbox that offers features to developers, some of which may leverage the Hive blockchain, some of which may leverage the Coinos blockchain, and some of which may not use a blockchain at all. They might use IPFS or even the um, separate, a separate server infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, I think, Um, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> uh, I had a migraine yesterday, and I took migraine medicine, and I'm—I I feel like I'm still hungover from that. So, so I apologize. My the short answer to that would be that I don't think we should waste too much of our breath explaining blockchains. We <laughs> should be explaining features like. When we're thinking about Coinos, we think that blockchains are really about storing and tracking digital property. Mm -hmm. and, and we think that a lot of other projects are making the mistake of thinking that the blockchain should solve every single problem and that their blockchain specifically should solve every problem. Whereas we think of blockchain technology itself as actually a precision tool. Mm -hmm. that should be incorporated into other pieces of software to really take it to the next level. Mm 
And you can build a pretty simple blockchain if it's built in tandem with second layer solutions, um, if it's built with an eye towards viewing it as this precision tool that adds a layer of trustlessness mm -hmm. um, that enables you to put the user's interests first, secure their, their information, provably secure, make it provably secure. The users, in our experience, and we've dealt with a lot of users, right, because steemit.com is arguably one of the most, is the blockchain application with the most ordinary users. Right. Users didn't care about decentralization. What they cared about was tr what, what I call trust through verification. Mm -hmm. They want to know that the information, that the security, that the trustlessness can be verified by a trusted third party. So they, they're basically like, that guy seems smart and he says it's secure because he could look at the code mm -hmm. and he verified it. Mm -hmm. They don't actually care about decentralization or blockchain at all. It's that the technology enables experts to verify the special features of it. Um, Got it. So yeah. And it makes sense, right? Because for a lot of people, like even cloud does not make sense and like still cloud is huge. So yeah, I guess like things that get uh, pushed into the background, they are not as sexy as people want them to be. But I can totally understand. And this brings me to the first question by one of our users. So he is also a hacker known uh, contributor. He writes as Barnum PT, like after the famous English author, I guess. And his question has been like, uh, how do you take care of the user experience and simplicity in terms of account creation and storage of keys? He says that it is extremely annoying to create accounts on decentralized platforms since you need to have like three to four different keys and you also need to keep them safe. So can we like uh, push this process as well into the background? I understand that it is a hard ask, because you want to be trustless and if you want convenience then like somebody has to hold those keys and everybody in like blockchain believes right not your keys like not your crypto stuff like that so yeah what's your like take on that i think um i think it's not as hard a problem as people think um i think one of the biggest lessons that i've gotten through my time at Steemit, working with my teammates there, and now continuing to work with them on Open Orchard. Mm -hmm. um, it's been really interesting to see, to, to work with the same people on a totally new project where they are unencumbered by the previous hierarchy. Because mm -hmm. they're, they were, I thought that they were brilliant at Steemit. Mm -hmm with the ability to start from scratch, with being empowered to be stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So all of my co-founders are engineers and all are essentially equal equity holders. We're using something called the dynamic equity model, which basically means that you earn stake as you contribute to the company, as you work hours, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's not perfectly equal. If, if somebody works way more than me, they'll get way more shares. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, I, you know, I just want to be accurate, but we're all on an equal footing. And that was really important to me because our organization is all about engineering. It's all about open source. And it was really important to me that it be an organization led and owned by engineers. Mm -hmm. And now that they are empowered as founders, as owners, um, and given a blank slate mm -hmm. to solve these problems without any mandates from anyone else, mm -hmm. the level of innovation, the level of creativity that they are putting out um, is really staggering to see. And, and one of the interesting things that's come out of that is that often innovation, creative solutions, it comes from modifying, it comes from philosophical changes. Mm -hmm. It comes from thinking about the problem in a slightly different way. And then all of a sudden you unlock this thing and you realize that you can have your cake and eat it too. So that's why I don't think the problem is as hard as people think. Um, yes, if you remain inside the box and think like a blockchain person, not your keys, not your crypto, you are never going to escape it. And, and I'm not saying that's not true. They're right. The, 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 the shift in thinking is if you want to onboard the masses, I want to onboard a million people. Mm -hmm. Let's be generous and say that 1% of them give a shit about mm -hmm. private keys. That's generous. That's generous. <laughs> right? So 99% don't. They just want a positive user experience. When you say, why why do people assume that the way to onboard that million people is to force the 900,000 to understand public and private keys and how to safely store them? And what we learned firsthand at Steemit is that, sorry, you're kind of an idiot because they don't store it safely. Hmm. They store it less safely. So you haven't increased security at all. You, you're actually, no, I'm not suggesting that you, 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 know, you just establish yourself as a trusted party and hold the private keys. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that you treat that user differently. You, you retain the option. So for example, the way that we're gonna solve it is that uh, in our second layer solution, OpenSeed, that has standard usernames and passwords. Mm -hmm. And when an application integrates OpenSeed, the user signs in just like they normally would with any other application. And it is my belief that the applications that integrate OpenSeed, 99% of users will do that and will never knowingly or intentionally create a blockchain account. They will never be interested in it. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't care. I take people as they are, yeah. right? I think, I think a large percentage of them, you will wind up giving them a blockchain account, but yeah. you'll just do it for free and you'll do it in the background. Yeah. 
And then a tiny minority of them will say, no, I, I, I want a blockchain. I want to control my keys. And then you go, that's great. Here's, I'm, I'm going to help you create your blockchain account. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let you take full control over your keys. You can, you, you can change your password, you know. So, so with OpenSea, we think, so the, philosoph- the philosophical shift that, that we're taking, and I just want to be clear, there's lots of different philosophical shifts. And what I say is not, indic- is not representative of all of my teammates. My teammates are way smarter than me and are coming up with way more innovative ways of looking at the problem. Um, but one of the ways that I look at it is that people want the ability to export certain pieces of information to the blockchain. Mm-hmm. So they want to use the apps. They want to use traditional databases. And then for sp- specific things, they want to export to the blockchain. So for example, a token, a digital asset, right? They want to push that information to the blockchain. Oh, I want this post to be shared to be stored on an immutable ledger for everyone great let's export that to hive mm-hmm. um and that stuff is going to be a minority of the use and so in so so the way that our stack is kind of being designed is that you create a normal account and then you link whatever blockchain account that you want and we don't store your private keys on our servers. We store a hash of them, right? So it, it's perfectly secure. We're not holding your private keys. Your keys, your crypto. Um, but by linking your blockchain account with this second layer account, applications can lever- leverage that normal account in the second layer for everything that doesn't require a blockchain, which is most things. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. And I guess like that uh, leads us to more questions about like what exactly would Coinos be? Like, for example, we spoke about a layer two and what could OpenSea be? So like what could a user uh, do on that layer two solution? Like as one of our like readers, Mark, he wants to know whether like Coinos would allow people to store videos on the blockchain, like whether layer one or layer two. Layer one, I don't think so. Like, but like that's my own uh, prerogative. With like, how would you like uh, retrieve like PBs of data? But layer two sounds interesting. I want to know your like your take on that. Yeah. So our layer two solution, OpenSeed, is is being designed to store photos, videos, stuff like that. Blockchains are a terrible place to store high bandwidth yes. data like that. Yeah. Um, instead, OpenSeed is a distributed database um, oh. where developers can apply for developer IDs. And so when you're, say I'm a developer who wants to offer an application that involves video and photo uh, and wants to leverage open source technologies and a non private database um, that's what OpenSeed serves so it's this shared database of photos videos stuff like that and we can you can get a lot of what people are looking for from blockchains with a distributed database not a decentralized database Mm -hmm. and actually I think that there's a probability 
that by connecting the decentralized database with the distributed database, we can actually transfer some of the decentralization to the distributed database. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, but the beauty of the second layer approach is that if developers come to us, there are, there are lots of people working on decentralized video storage and stuff like that, yeah. SIA storage, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and if developers come to us and say, look, we'd really, we'd really love to take advantage of SIA, um, and we'd be willing to pay you, you know, a $20, $20 a month mm -hmm. uh, to basically handle that integration for us because we are very confident that the vast majority of developers really can't and don't want to do the difficult work of figuring out how to integrate a blockchain into their stack, even if the, right? So, so our approach is always going to be looking for that gap there where our unique knowledge about blockchain integration into applications uh, can enable us to offer tools that developers are just willing to pay a reasonable monthly subscription for. Because that's the, it, it's really esoteric knowledge. It's really expensive knowledge to come across, and developers just don't want to do it. Um, as far as... So, so, so Coinos is not being developed to serve that function. I don't believe that's a good function for blockchains. It's... It's... Blockchains? <laughs> What's that? It is going to be profitable like in 2018 and 2019. That was like the uh, typical job description for a blockchain developer on LinkedIn. Right? Everybody was looking for a blockchain developer when basically what they were looking for was people who could integrate blockchains, especially Ethereum with the Node.js or like basically Go-based backend systems so like yeah i totally like get it yeah. why you don't want to do it from a philosophical point of view but i guess like just like uh someone like someone like me saying that if you could have a SaaS like model for that it would make you a lot of money <laughs> yeah yeah well that's what we think that's certainly what we think um that's and that's the approach that we're we're taking um you know i think Blockchains are excessively redundant. And, and so what really, what you really want to use them for is extremely high value data that is extremely low bandwidth. Yeah. And, you know, so, so a less redundant system is always going to, a, a less redundant system for storing low value information uh, is always going to outcompete a decentralized solution Anything. for that. Yeah. And uh, I hate to break it to people, but your photos, videos, even the vast majority of your communications are absolutely worthless. <laughs> do not belong on a blockchain. Um, and certainly Coinos is being developed with, with that philosophy in mind. Our real approach with Coinos is interfacing with developers who are building applications, who have applications already operating in the wild. They may be blockchain applications, they may not be, and they're just thinking about integrating with a blockchain and asking them what they're really looking for from the blockchain and then telling them what blockchains are not good for. Now, right, so, so if a developer came to us and said, 
we're really looking to store a video on the blockchain, we'd be like, oh, okay, have a nice day. I mean, I, I don't even know what I'd say to that person. Yeah. I have to say though, that, that no developers are coming to us saying that. It's all, it, it is a few of the very same things. I wanna be able to create a lot of accounts for free. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, that, that, that's a solvable problem. Yeah. I wanna, I, I wanna know that, uh, I, I want my users to be able to use the blockchain for free, certainly. Um, and I wanna be able to guarantee a consistent user experience. Yeah. So, these have to be a priority like any day user experience, like it needs to be like above everything else. No doubt about that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, EOS doesn't have that. Ethereum doesn't have that. Um, and part of that is because they're old. Um, and you know, they, they are pioneering the technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're pioneering the technology and, and they were making decisions um, with imperfect information. And the benefit that we have is that they've been operating in the wild. They've produced a ton of great technology. And if we can take from great projects like those, take our knowledge take our accumulated knowledge of understanding everything that was poorly designed in steam uh, and needed to be fixed in order to become more scalable. Um, and, and like you mentioned at the beginning, we have 22 hard forks under our belt. And I think what people fail to realize about that is that there is a big difference between being a blockchain developer and being a smart contract developer. Yeah. These guys are blockchain developers. Steam can only be updated through hard forks. You don't get smart contracts. Yeah. And so you really have to be a blockchain developer. And one could even say that it's almost like they, they developed 22 blockchains. Um, now, it's not exactly right because you're not changing all of the blockchain code in every hard fork. But you have to go through it. Yeah. And you have to make sure that the new piece of code that you're adding isn't affecting other parts of the system. And it almost always is. So you got to tear through the whole system. Um, now, that isn't to say that we are going to take the same strategy with Coinos. There's a lot more technology out there with respect to smart contracts. And we are there are some interesting potential ideas with respect to smart contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, the question, one of the questions we're asking ourselves now is, can you get the usability, the consistent user experience of something like Steam um, while gaining smart contracts? Mm-hmm. Um, and these are some of the questions we're hoping to answer with Coinos. And just to summarize again, I mean, the focus is on developers, making sure that developers have access to a platform that mm-hmm. is thoroughly decentralized. Mm-hmm. We, we're going to really launch this thing in a way that is very decentralized. We're, we're not going to have any advantage over any other parties. And I want people to call us out on that if they, if they see us doing anything fishy. Uh, we don't want a competitive advantage when it comes to the blockchain itself, we want a competitive advantage with, our, with the tooling. 
And, but the competitive advantage comes from the unique knowledge that we get from building the thing, which we think is a very fair way of, of monetizing it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. And this, like, I guess, answers a part of the next question. And uh, I would, like, ask the rest of it. So, like, there is the Bitcoin blockchain, the Ethereum blockchain, now even Hive's blockchain, right? So, how do... Like, how does the Coinos blockchain differ from these on a technical level? Like, for example, Ethereum is huge because of the support from the people who develop on Solidity. They got the smart contracts thing going. Bitcoin, because like it is the most uh, decentralized digital form of money that you could ever have. Right? It's the fastest way to send money across the world at the cheapest amount of like at the cheapest like rates. I would want to know from you as to like how does Hype Blocks uh, differ from it, and then how does Coinos like differ from it? So, the Hive blockchain is everything steam was but more decentralized with a more engaged community and a more empowered community and it's going to be really interesting to see what that community is capable of doing with the hive blockchain um it's designed to be upgraded by the community and it can become whatever that community wants it to be as long as the developers can make it into that, mm-hmm. right? So the future is whatever they want it to be. Um, so, so there's tons of potential there. Uh, and it's a content-focused blockchain mm-hmm. where the users of the blockchain get to participate in governance mm-hmm. um, by posting ordinary people can earn tokens, can earn Hive, and have their voices heard in the governance Mm -hmm. of that blockchain. And there's something about that. I mean, then there's the obvious stuff, like when you post, you're posting to a blockchain, you're in for, you know, it's censorship resistant, your posts and your comments are there forever, Um, right? So it's a blockchain that is optimized for those things. And it seems to create this super engaged community, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting and powerful to see. And I think that it might, it might wind up becoming the heart of the decentralized world or the blockchain community, the core. Um, it, it kind of already is. I mean, if you are a real blockchain person, you have been to you you've been to Steamit.com. You've used the Steam blockchain. Um, odds are you stopped using it because we really, you know, Steamit really dropped the ball on improving it. Just being honest. Um, and now I think what Hive is doing and has the potential to really take to the next level is it gets to say, yeah, you tried this, now come on back. You know, it's under new management. It's under decentralized management. Uh, And it's really exciting, and I I love being a part of that community, and I'm really glad that we're going to continue to support it with OpenSeed. 
Now, Koinos is, is going to be very different from that. Um, those aren't the problems that we're trying to solve. And so if those, are, if those things sound compelling to people, then they should definitely check out the Hive blockchain. It's really unrivaled. There's nothing else like it still to this day. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's a real, a real credit to it. Um, as far as Koinos, <clears throat> you know, you, you mentioned a lot of protocols and we are fans of all of them. And we are in a unique space where we have a uniquely talented group of people. I mean, these are people who, they are the most expert in the code base that powers both Steam and EOS, and probably a lot of Tron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, and God knows how many other blockchains. Right. And they've been in the blockchain space from the beginning. Um, some of my teammates like to say they've been fixing Dan Larimer's problems for four years. Um, and so, we have a unique opportunity to take from all of them, take the best parts of all of them and combine them into something that is optimized for application developers mm -hmm. and for scaling with the needs of application developers, which we're like, isn't that what it's all about? Isn't it all about applications? I don't get, I don't get why we're the only, why we're the only ones placing this emphasis, but I thank everybody for the market opportunity here. You know, um, we're designing our protocol because decentralization, because Turing completeness, because ideological reasons. Well, our, yes, we have our ideological beliefs. Yes, we have our values. We value decentralization. We value open source software. Uh, we also value users and developers. If the idea is to deliver value to people, why aren't we focusing on that? And so we're looking at Bitcoin. We're looking at Ethereum. We're looking at EOS. We're looking at Steam. We're taking the expertise we've gained from Steam. We are building Coinos from scratch. So um, it's not a fork of anything else. But of course, we're using other open source software. Um, and oh, a lot of it, most, most <laughs> of it is other people's open source software. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the beauty of operating in the open source space. Um, so we're, we're looking to take all of those to deliver a next generation blockchain. And a lot of people are saying they're delivering next generation blockchains and they're working on next generation blockchains. And who knows, maybe they'll succeed. Maybe they'll be better than ours. We give ourselves a 50-50 shot. You know, just being honest, we've got a 50-50 shot, um, but we're only, but we're gonna take the shot. You know, either we're going to take our knowledge of all of these blockchains, generate something innovative and put something out that is an order of magnitude superior as far as developers, uh, the needs of developers. That means scalability and cost. And scalability includes the ability to onboard millions of users. 
Yeah. Um, and to do that without breaking the bank. And really, I, I happen to know for a fact that at EOS, their approach to scaling is if you spend enough money on this, it scales. Yeah. <laughs> that is not the approach that we're taking. We're designing it from the beginning to keep costs, specifically infrastructure costs, low so that you can actually run your app mm-hmm. just like a Web 2.0 app. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we're going to make money, because it's always important to know how people are going to make money off of you, yeah. is we're going to have DAP hosting. We're, we're going to say, you could host your own DAP. You can build your own infrastructure. You can tap into the blockchain directly if you want. Um, or you can tap into the second layer. You can roll your own second layer server too. You can, you can leverage these open source technologies however you want. However, if you just want us to run your DAP for you on our infrastructure, this is how much it'll cost you. And then we get, and then we get economies of scale. And so we're betting that by being experts in the infrastructure, uh, we produced a piece of software called Mira, which moved the blockchain from uh, RAM to commodity hardware. This is something uh, we did for Steam that EOS still hasn't done. Uh, Dan Larimer gave Michael Vandenberg a shout out, said nice work on that. Um, and <laughs> kudos to Dan. Uh, like I'm not trying to trash, trash talk, Dan, Dan is a genius. And his validation of Michael, we really appreciated that he was, you know, that, that he validated that. My point is that our expertise, specifically the blockchain guys, Michael Vandenberg, theoretical, is in lowering those infrastructure costs. And so we're confident that we can offer the best deal, that, that running on our infrastructure will be safer, more stable, and cheaper than running it on your own infrastructure. And so, so that's how we intend to, to make money off of, off, of, uh, off of our stack. Did I answer the question? I feel like I rambled. Yeah. What was no, the question? Guys, it's, nice, it's nice. Like, it's always like good to like be able to speak your mind. So we are going to be all about that. It answered my question. I'm sure it answered the reader's questions as well. And it brings me to the next one. Yeah, oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Please continue. <clears throat> one thing I wanted to make clear is that we are very early in the stages of the development of Coinos. So if you're a developer, please reach out. We want your feedback. Part of the reason I can't be more specific about what Coinos will be or the problems it will be is we don't want we want to underpromise and overdeliver. Uh, we don't want to act like we're farther along than we are. We don't want to act like we have some magical solution that we don't have. We're very much in the architecture phase, in the building phase, and and we're figuring out out a lot of this stuff as we speak. We have a lot of good leads. We have a lot of good ideas that we've researched that we believe will work, but it's always possible that we get far enough along the line and we, and we, and we discover, oh, that problem hasn't been solved because it's a problem that we can't solve. It's, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Again, we think our odds are 50-50. <laughs> it's always 50-50 and the way I see it, yeah. everybody is like very early in the game. Like even... Yeah established blockchains when they are like very early in the game right there is a lot to like uh, take care of and stuff like that but yeah on this note like 
I hear your pitch about developers. And to be honest, I am like not one. I just like know my way around Python a bit, but that's about it. I cannot program a program, if you know what I mean. So how do you like speak to people like us who possibly believe in the low code and the no code side of things? You might like think of us to be as like people who don't really code, but there are a lot of people like me who are building things just because they have access to low code and no code solutions. So would Coinos be building something like that? Cause that would be opening up a developer's box to a larger community. I mean at large. And the next part of it would be like, what are the timelines that you are like looking for opening up the Coinos blockchain to more testers and to general users like myself? Great question. And it really gets to the heart of our entire approach, which is, <clears throat> is actually, I, I think we are the most no code of any decentralized project. One of the things we like to say is that we're treating the second layer as a first class citizen. Okay. And, and what we mean by that is, and the way we think about our second layer is that it is a suite of modules that offer features to developers so that they can plug and play. So if you're talking about no code, I mean, first of all, no code is outside of my domain and our domain of expertise, you know? Um, but, you know, for example, Flutter is a mobile application framework and it enables people to fire up mobile applications really rapidly uh, because basically it, it, it has all of the features you need in the framework. Mm -hmm. But it's a front end. Yeah. If you're developing, you have to develop the back end. And that's where Firebase comes in, both of which are owned by Google, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our second layer solution, OpenSeed, is open source Firebase. Mm -hmm. It is all the features you need to power that front end so that you don't need to worry about the low level stuff. Like we succeed if people don't know about Coinos. Mm -hmm. We don't care if you know about Coinos. You know, may, we hope blockchain people, decentralization advocates get very excited about Coinos. But if developers and users have to be aware of Coinos, we've failed. Instead, we want to use Coinos to give as many users as possible blockchain wallets, enable them to transfer digital assets between one another, enable them to securely hold digital property, um, but without having to understand that that's what they're using. You know, users don't know about, you know, SSL or whatever. You know, they don't understand all of the protocols that they're using 
that keeps them safe on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the you know, if knowing about the thing is your standard of success, then I would suggest you're setting yourself up for, for failure. The standard of success should be lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Got right? it. So it, it's about usage, and that's why we, that's what we mean by second layer is a first class citizen. Um, you know, but that's for the developer. So the no coder, I mean, I, I think what we hope to eventually get to with respect to the no coder is that I talk to people, I, I talk to people all the time who make this mistake They go, there's so many tools for building apps. Now it's so easy to build apps. I'm going to hire a developer. They're going to build a great app. There's this new technology called blockchain. It's pretty cool. I'll just tell them to integrate blockchain. <laughs> what, and the developer goes, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. sure, I'll do that. And, and sometimes it's not malicious because developers are used to, to operating in ecosystems that have a robust and mature um, tooling ecosystem. And they don't realize that because this is a nascent uh, industry, uh, because the technology is so difficult to work with, because there is no uniformity between the protocols, that tooling doesn't exist. And you're going to keep coming across things where you go, oh, I I need to learn about that protocol, then I need to develop the tooling, and that's why there are no apps that really take advantage of blockchain. So what we hope to get to relatively soon is a situation where you say you have an idea for an app, a mobile application, you want it to be powered by blockchain, you hire a developer, a Flutter developer. The the Flutter developer comes to our documentation, comes to our solutions, finds the Flutter libraries, finds the features that they want and plugs right into them through our API and boom, they've got access to a blockchain. And we want it to be that easy and we think we can do it because we did it with Steam. You know, that's why there are so many apps on Steam and now Hive is because those apps interface with the blockchain through an API. And and, and that kind of touches back on that idea of a philosophical shift. Like, when we originally took that route with Steemit, the blockchain community was like, bah, this isn't decentralization. Okay, well, you made choices that guaranteed that no apps were built. So you cut off your nose nose to spite your face. (laughs) We took our route, users like it, developers like it, and it turns out you can actually make it pretty damn safe too. Mm Uh, and we can make it safer and we can make it safer and safer and safer. And actually, this is where everything wound up trending anyway. Um, <clears throat> so I think, um, yeah. <laughs> this that, that's, uh, so I, I think that we will contribute greatly to the no code movement, um, but our customers will always be developers i don't know if that makes sense it does yeah i mean everywhere like you need to have developers because the developers will build those frameworks that we use anyways yeah 
And yeah, the- and you know, some someday, some we will hopefully get to the point where so like one of the things we're building is Open Link, mm-hmm. and uh, Open Link is a social networking and encrypted messaging application that leverages OpenSeed and will one day take advantage of Coinos. Mm-hmm. And it's a flutter, it, it's a flutter application uh, that pipes into a distributed database. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and one of the things where we will open source um, all of OpenLink. And one of the interesting things there is that one, one of the interesting ideas that we're exploring is like, so if you think about the messaging app, the first page you see is the sign-in page. Mm -hmm. If we open source the mobile application and then we kind of like modularize it, where we, you know, where we basically separate all of the components, right? So that you can then mix and match and make it super easy to mix and match all of the components. So like a user feed, a message feed, right? And all of these components are already piping into the second layer, which is itself piping into the base layer. Mm -hmm. Then that's how you get to a point where a no coder or somebody can come along and develop a no code solution where you can literally go through and say, I, I want the sign up page first, then I want the user page, yeah. user feed page second, or I want a calendar page second, yeah. right? Like what, so, and, and, and that is the goal. And that's that, that I'm glad you asked that question because it reminds me of why I do this, why I think so many of us do this, which is, I think, there's this unspoken agreement that nobody ever talks about that we all want it to be as easy as possible for people to release powerful code that can make people's lives better. And that the best way to accelerate progress and abundance in the world is to make it easier and easier and easier for for anyone to launch more and more and more powerful applications. And if you have to learn how to code to do that, that's a huge barrier to entry. And we certainly want to reduce that barrier. I wouldn't call it our mission, but it's definitely something that's at the core of why I think open source participants in the open source community are so committed to it. No, definitely. And are there any like timelines that you are like looking for the release of like Coinos to like, let's say developers and then to users? Well, OpenSeed is, you you can basically think of it as an open database for social interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, it's a distributed database. Nobody cares about that. Uh, it, it's an open database for storing yeah. social information and interactions. And because it's a distributed database, oh, uh, open database for, for encrypted social interactions. 
Um, and you can get, a, by creating an open database that stores encrypted social information, you can actually deliver a lot of compelling features um, because its openness means that it's cross-platform, which means that every user that gets onboarded by a developer becomes available to any other application developer. Mm -hmm. So I still, I think that there's a huge amount of value that can be unlocked just through the open database of social information, mm -hmm. uh, which, which is OpenSea. Uh, and that should launch relatively soon. It's, it's actually operational right now. We don't have the distributed networking component. We, ha we have a lot of the functions operating on a server that we own. Yeah. Uh, and, and we have developers testing it and giving their feedback. And now the good thing about this approach is that if you're thinking of building an application that has an encrypted messaging or a social component, you don't have to wait for Koinos in order to begin taking advantage of OpenSea. You can start building it now and we will probably be ready in around three months you know, for the, for the beta or, or the MVP. The extra benefit of integrating with our second layer is that when Coinos launches, mm -hmm. it will we it will be integrated into our second layer. Mm -hmm. So you will immediately gain access to our blockchain. Nice. You don't have to do any additional work. Yeah. This is nice. So that's going to take longer. So so obviously building the blockchain is going to take longer. Um, we're because we're so early on, because we're a new team, even though we've worked together in the past, um, we, we have begun implementing Agile uh, and conducting sprints and uh, sizing uh, our issues. And we think that uh, in a couple of weeks after a few demos, we'll, we'll be able to start uh, projecting with a sufficient uh, you know, accuracy how long it'll take us to get through the sprints and, and achieve everything that we want to achieve. And at that time, we'll be in a much stronger position to, to give, we want to give a reliable forecast. And the truth is that it's just too early. Um, none of us are really making any money, uh, right? We, we have no revenue. We've taken no investment. Uh, and that's very intentional. We really want to put the pressure on ourselves to deliver something as fast as possible. Um, but it has to be something great. It has to be something that's going to deliver a ton of value to, to, to developers. Uh, I would say that it would be really, really bad if it takes us more than a year. That would be really tough for us as an organization. Um, and, and, and I hope it's much, much less than that. But um, my teammates might kill me if I get more specific than that at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I think. I think, and I definitely want to talk to developers before I state this too strongly, but I think there are ways that we can kind of have our cake and eat it too because of what I was talking about before yeah. where because you can take advantage of a lot of features with OpenSeed alone and because you will immediately gain access 
to the blockchain features, I think there are ways that we can give developers what they need in the meantime, while we focus on getting the blockchain right, so that when we launch, they are maximally positioned to benefit from it. And you know, it, it could be the case that Hive winds up playing a part in that. You know, for example, um, we built something called Smart Media Tokens uh, hmm. that, that are on that are live on the testnet right now. Mm-hmm. And if Hive were to in it were, were were to merge Smart Media Tokens to the mainnet, um, that would be a really powerful new tool that would enable people to launch their own full-fledged cryptocurrency with three-second fee-less transfers and um, really customizable token distribution mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And so with that in place and integrated into OpenSeed, you know, we, we, we could deliver a service to developers where we're like, okay, yeah, our blockchain isn't live now, but look at everything you get from SMTs. So, Mm -hmm we will help you launch an SMT, which is on Hive, which benefits the Hive stakeholders. That'll get you to your next milestone. And by the time we get there, then Coinos will, will, will be ready to deliver additional features, the other features you want that Hive hasn't delivered yet. Because, and, and I hope people don't interpret that as talking smack about Hive. The whole idea is that we should all be solving different problems. Yeah. And we should be looking at, okay, they solved that problem really well. That's great for them. It's mm-hmm. not about saying they're shit just because we solve a different problem. That's what you're supposed to do in the marketplace. Yeah. You're supposed to find a unique value proposition. And I find it unlikely that Hive will si- solve every single problem in the universe. Uh, so I think there will be plenty of opportunities. Uh, and of course, as the people who develop most of the code base of Hive, we have a pretty good idea of what it can and what it should be used to solve and what it can't and what it shouldn't be used to solve. And that's where Coinos is going to come in. Got it. This is nice. And this is really a very honest answer, which I guess we get when we have a developer as a CEO. Like you did not commit to a timeline because everybody knows that when you are building (laughs) something, timelines happen. And it's like nice that you did not give a date. Otherwise, people watching this from your team, they might lose their sleep. So it's, <laughs> it's nice. And been there, been there. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to end this with a philosophical question as to, and like, it's your prerogative to take it as long or, or as small as you like want it to be. It's about this dream of decentralized internet that everybody gushes over. There are episodes or even seasons on like Silicon Valley dedicated to it people talk about it and now we have twitter ceo like jack dorsey's like a funded blue sky taking a dig at becoming like something like that so do you think like we could even come close to something like a decentralized email server or an email protocol because maybe a decentralized internet is too huge an ask for now it could be something that we get in the future but could we get bits and pieces of that internet decentralized? This is a question by our founder and CEO, David Smith. Wow. I should have known it, it, it was his question because it's really good. And uh, uh, there's, there's so many places to go with it. I, I really love that question. Um, the first one is embarrassing. Um, 
you mentioned Silicon Valley, and which I, I love that show. Um, it's so good. And the season where they go down into cryptocurrencies, it was so good. And there were so many parallels between yeah. Steam and Steam that it was so surreal watching it. And we're going, are they here? You know, they, they, um, they, they ring a gong in their meetings and we yeah. were closing all of our meetings with a gong. And we literally thought, like, is there a spy here? Like, please just tell us that you're here because we, like, that's so awesome. We yeah. wish there was a spy. Um, you know, I think it was just a coincidence. I don't think it's the most uncommon thing to have a gun there, but it was so surreal. And the embarrassing thing is that, like, I was just talking to my parents about Open Orchard and they're like, uh, yeah, we have no idea what you're building, but uh, we're glad you're really excited about it. Um, do you think we should watch Silicon Valley? And I'm like, yeah, you should watch Silicon Valley because we're basically trying to do that, uh, which is embarrassing because they're, they're, mocking, they're mocking it ruthlessly for yeah. very good reason. But it really is kind of a very good way to, to, to get a sense of what we are trying to build. Um, to answer the question, I think the most interesting way that I can answer that question um, is that I feel very strongly that it is incorrect to view the question as to view decentralization as a binary as or as a goal it is a philosophical approach it is a relative thing um, you can make things more decentralized, but it is not a platonic state. It, and it is, I, it, is, it, is, it is not a platonic state that can be achieved. And I think that viewing it like that is a huge part of the reason why there's been so much failure in the space is because perfect decentralization is unachievable first, but as you even approached it, it would become unusable. And, and, and so the way, the way I think about it is not, the way I think about it is how does thinking about decentralization in our contexts enable us to build applications that put users first? that puts their interests first, that protects their personal information, that protects their attention. And how do we empower developers to deliver those applications? And I think that when you focus, and not you, the general you, when people focus on decentralization, what they are saying, whether they know it or not, is actually that they don't care about people and what people need. Uh, and they don't care about putting a user's interest first. Let me ask you this. If a more centralized solution creates a safer solution for the user, would you not choose it? 
then you know if you say I'm going to choose the decentralized solution, even though it's worse for the user, then what's the point? You know, now I don't think the answers are ever that clear. Yeah. Um, I, I think you can. There, there's also this idea that Byzantine fault tolerance, blockchains, and decentralization are are synonymous. Like you can't have decentralization without a blockchain. <laughs> like, no, you're, you're trying to create zero points of failure. You're trying to create sufficient redundant, redundancy. And so <clears throat> to, to touch on the other question, the idea of the decentralized internet, um, you know, you, you, you talked about email and I think that, that was a really interesting example because I think that's exactly one of the problems we are going to solve the soonest. The, the question will be the adoption. Um, the way we think about OpenSeed and our second layer is that it's an, right, like I said, it's an open database for storing social information. Um, what does that mean? It's a database whose core primitive is the message. And literally, that is in there. We think we, des we are designing that database around messages, around the idea that everything is, can be contained within a message. It's all about people sending and receiving information. Even money is a message yeah. sent between people. And so <clears throat> OpenSea will be an open source uh, distributed database for storing messages. And if you wanted to build an application that displays those messages like an email application, then that problem will be solved. Now you did see it say decentralized. And I think I think we can get very far with just encryption and openness. Mm -hmm. But for those users, right, um, and enabling people to retain copies of all of their messages. Um, <clears throat> For those people who want an even more decentralized solution, that's where Koinos will come in. And when we pipe Koinos into the second layer, that will enable um, further decentralization of that information without loss of the user experience. Um, but part of the way that that problem gets solved is precisely because we believe that so many people and so much of the information will remain in the second layer that the base layer becomes orders of magnitude more scalable, which means you can create more accounts, cheaper, enable more transactions, uh, and achieve that goal of a decentralized internet where you have a backbone that is a decentralized backbone that is scalable enough to cover the entire population 
Um, but the way that you get that is actually by moving information off of it. It's kind of paradoxical. Yeah. Uh, in, in order to make that work, you have to move as much of the information off of it as possible. And that's what we're betting on. And, and, I, and I'm very confident that 10 years, 20 years from now, when we're looking at the technology stack that our applications use, it won't all be on a blockchain. Mm -hmm. It will be like what I'm saying. It will be the vast majority of it will be on private databases, distributed databases, SQL databases, or whatever the, the, the successor to SQL is. And then there will be a really robust, uh, scalable, decentralized backbone. It may or may not be a blockchain at, at that point. Um, but uh, that's what I think we'll see in 10, 20 years. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> like, hopefully you are wrong and we like see it like much sooner. But like, yes, it has been. Oh yeah, timeline, hopefully. Well, well we think, uh, honestly, we think, uh, I, should, I should moderate what I'm saying. I think that the challenge won't be, I think that the timeline is entirely dependent on user education, user adoption, right? That thing, I think technologists make the mistake of thinking that the moment something is technologically feasible, it will be adopted and mass adopted. Yeah. So the real, the real unknown yeah. is how long it takes for people to embrace the technology, to appreciate it. Now, you have to make it low cost, accessible, easy to use. That's what we're trying to move the needle on. But we're under no illusions, and I think this is something so many projects in the space, in the space make, is that they go, not only do they release something that isn't actually scalable, but then they think that Facebook is going to adopt it and 100 million users are going to adopt it. We're taking the opposite approach. We're building something that's actually scalable, but we're building a business around the idea that, you know what, everybody probably isn't going to adopt this overnight. <laughs> this is nice. And like, it was very helpful. And like, I know it's been a long conversation for you. And like, we are very thankful at uh, Hakanoon for giving us the opportunity to speak to you in terms of what your future plans are. And we have the best wishes for you. Thank you. Uh, I just want to, you know, I really appreciate you having me on. Like I've said numerous times, we, we are developer obsessed and i think that hacker noon is the best place on the internet for developers you have the best developer community you have the biggest developer community uh, i really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk to that community and if you're a developer who is remotely interested in any of the problems that that uh that i've mentioned or the solutions that i've mentioned please don't hesitate to reach out to me on twitter on any social media platform um via email Go to openorchard.io. Uh, that, that's our website, obviously. Uh, you can put your email in there. Uh, eventually, we'll get to a newsletter, I'm sure. Reach out to me. We really, really want your feedback. We, we think that there's a huge competitive advantage to focusing on the problems you actually want solved as opposed to the problems we think would be interesting to solve <laughs> and practically impossible. So thank you for having me on the podcast. It has been a pleasure, Andrew. Thank you very much and have a nice day.